Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. And God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding. His church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life. It's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious. Think well. Advance good. This is Q. What is the coping mechanism? What is the habit? What is the uh, addiction? What is the attachment that's sort of ruining our lives or that's leading us in a direction we don't want to go or that we just sense is unhealthy? And sitting down and saying, okay, I'm going to take the time to identify what that is and write it down. Just name it. But then after we do that, what we need to ask ourselves is what is the pain we're trying to sort of soothe with that addiction, with that bad habit? Hi, I'm Paul Perot. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons on Faith Radio. Sometimes we become fixated with things, food, sex, drugs, alcohol, even our cell phones. They become a way of escaping our pains and strains in life. Sometimes these things become annoying habits. Sometimes they become addictions. But the underlying problem of us numbing ourselves instead of facing life in God's grace is still there. Today, Gabe, I look forward to your honest conversation with Seth Haynes, who has a lot to say on this topic. Tell us about him. Seth is a pretty remarkable guy, and the conversation we're having today really deals with something I think all of us would do well to think about, and that is internally, how are we doing? What are the things that are distracting us? What are the things really driving us sometimes away from who we're meant to be and what we're meant to be doing? What are the things that we're addicted to? I mean, these are, these are those really frank conversations that are important for us to deal with at a personal level. And so Seth Haynes, a writer, he's a photographer, he's a native Arkansan who loves the Ozarks, but he and his wife and his four boys are just amazing. And the stories that he tells in his new book, The Book of Waking Up, Experiencing the Divine Love That Reorders a Life, really gets to the me, to the heart of what it looks like for us to live and be fully alive and deal with some of the pain, the wounds, and the things that might drive us towards idolatry, towards addiction, towards some of those facets of our life we're not the most proud of. But at Q today, we're going to dig into it. We want to talk to you more about how we can live a healthy life. And so listen in now to Seth Haynes and I have a conversation about how do we move forward? How do we come clean? Seth, it's so great to have you on the Q podcast. Thanks for being with us. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So, I mean, so much of the discussion around Q, we talk a lot about cultural issues. How do we engage them? How do we think well about different subjects and topics? But today what I wanted to do is help us think well about our own life. I just want to jump right in with my favorite quote ever from Seth Haynes out of your previous book called Coming Clean, where you said, quote, we're all drunk on something, end quote. Now, that's a loaded statement. I know it had a lot to do with your story as to why you were willing to share and make that statement. But catch people up. What in the world are you talking about? We're all drunk on something. Yeah, we are all drunk on something. Uh, For some people, uh, we're drunk on alcohol. I was drunk on being drunk. That was my story. So um, I I am a practicing attorney, was uh, at a 
large law firm was kind of grinding it out doing the best I could to um, live sort of the successful life, the life that you sort of talked about. And then I was sort of um, hijacked uh, by the illness of my son. And it was a really dark season, a season that was kind of touch and go as far as his uh, medical uh, treatment went. And in that season, it was really painful. And so for me, I turned to the bottle to sort of numb that pain. I, there was this moment where I was in the hospital and I decided I didn't want to feel any more of the pain um, that my son was dealing with. I didn't want to experience it. I didn't want to feel uh, the loss of my faith at the time. Um, I didn't want to feel anything. And so I just sort of numbed my pain with alcohol. But as I came out of um, that season and the writing of Coming Clean and sort of exploring what it means to be addicted, and as I started sharing my own story, what I kept hearing from folks is, man, I really identify with what you're saying. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not drunk every night. But um, when scarcity comes calling, I you know, go to the office and I work an extra two hours or you know, when I feel emotionally distraught, I reach for a bag of Oreos and cash out the whole thing or um, you know, when I feel lonely, I jump on dating apps or get on the internet yeah. and search porn or whatever it is. So just the more I sort of talked with people, the more I understood that we're all really using things to cope with our pain. Yeah. This is the thing that you unlocked, I think, for so many people in Coming Clean was that it's easy to point out the person who obviously is dealing with an addiction, like it could be alcoholism you know, it could be anything that they are struggling with. And it's easy to, to see that and go, oh, that's an obvious addiction. That's a problem. And not actually look at our own life to see how addicted we are to distracting ourselves. Essentially, I think at the core of your message is it's not only that we're drunk on something, it's we're distracting ourselves from what's really going on inside. And there's there's a hundred different ways we can do that. And it's not always through a chemical substance it can be through playing too much golf right like i could be tempted to do that i love playing golf but if i do that too much i'm distracting myself really from engaging in the real things that i need to be dealing with and the good things that god gives us can sometimes instead of just being gifts be become idols talk a little bit about that side of it because I, I feel like that's been the new conversation that you've helped expose to so many of us is to take account of what are we distracting ourselves with and why? Yeah. And I think fundamentally for me, this starts in the idea that all created things are created to draw us closer to God. You know, all the things that God has given us to create pleasure, to give us pleasure are meant to point us to the giver of the good thing. It's meant to show us, Hey, God loves us so much that he wants us to enjoy the bread, the wine, the golf, sex, uh, hunting and, and providing for your family. So work, right? So these things are all meant to be ways that we participate with God in experiencing the world around us. But I do think that uh, so often we sort of elevate the creation, the sacramental creation over the creator. Um, so any good thing, I mean, for your example, playing golf, golf's a good thing, right? You get out there, exercise a little bit, walk a little bit, you feel the sunlight, you feel pretty good. That's a good thing. But if we seek to distract ourselves from the pains of our life, the stresses of a marriage, the stresses of work by, you know, losing ourselves on the golf course, that thing gets elevated um, over the work that the creator wants us to do and over engagement with him. And that's when it really does 
for my money, become something akin to an addiction, whether you want to call it a coping mechanism, a bad habit, uh, whatever you want to call it, that's when it becomes really akin to an addiction is when we yeah. elevate it over the creator. Yeah. And do you think contextually, I mean, we're in 2020, do you think there's an increase of us trying to distract ourselves culturally right now? Is there is there just more competing for our attention? Is the chaos too much that we're being driven to some of these other outlets of escape? Or do you think just this has always been the way we operate as humans? We're, we're constantly trying to distract ourselves from the deeper questions. What, what do you think the vices that we are dealing with today, how are they different than maybe what we would have dealt with as human beings years ago? Yeah, man, that is a really good question. Um, and maybe a question that it would be fun to, to ask a, a technology sociologist about or something. But, but I do think that those things are, are, are really different today uh, than it was, you know, 200 years ago, 300 years ago, whatever the case may be. I think technology has, has really amped up the ability uh, to drive addiction. And so here's kind of what I mean by that. You know, 300 years ago, 400 years ago, um, you had a limited amount of uh, access to sugar and fat, you know, things that the body craves, things that the body forms chemical connections and, and has, you know, neurochemical processes to say, hey, this is really good. You should eat more fat. You should eat more sugar. And so, you know, back in the day, you were moderated and regulated by your access. Well, now for a pretty, you know, $1, you can go to your favorite fast food restaurant and you can get a ton of fat and a ton of sugar and amp your body up and, and sort of heighten all of those neurochemical processes that say, hey, eat more of this. This is really good stuff, right? In the same way we think about uh, sex, you know, 200, 300, 400 years ago, you had a pretty limited access uh, to, to sex. You were limited by your geography, by the people in your town, but now you can get on the internet and you can click through sexual images, you know, for three, four hours straight without seeing the same thing twice. And so again, you're just, technology has, has yeah. amplified our ability to just really let our, our neurochemistry, our brains go wild. It's the same way with social media. I mean, used to, you're sort of bound by your social spheres. You know, you could go to the bar and you could talk to 20 or 30 people. You could go to church and sort of talk with your Sunday school group. But now I can get on Twitter and talk with thousands of people at one time and have this sense of connection that's not really sacramental connection at all. But I walk away thinking, oh boy, I just I have this feeling that I'm not lonely anymore, right? And it's because I've now connected in this hyper amped up um, hyper addictive platform that mm -hmm. takes the, the the feel of connection. So yeah, I do think that technology has changed some things, and I think it's it's probably worth you know stopping and examining how that technology has changed our own addictive behaviors and habits. Yeah, and I think the point is it's very easy now to be distracted. It, it, we're, we're very susceptible, more probably than ever in the human race to distracting ourselves from what's going on inside, from what we really need, what we're really longing for, how to really have that met. And so for our listeners, I'd love to dig into that a little bit and just kind of what you've discovered in this journey as to how do we move towards a place 
of living, you just mentioned sacramental community or relationships, you know, what, what does that mean? Like, how do we, how do we move towards this? Because I often find it's not enough to just say, I want to stop doing this, that, or the other. It's, it's gotta be moving towards something that's actually a vision of being human, of being in community, of being in relationship, communion with our God and creator that's bigger than these distractions so that I can say, I don't want these distractions anymore. This is actually a counterfeit for how I'm really supposed to be living. So paint for us a picture of, of what does the ideal look like when we come clean, when we wake up as your new book, the book of waking up states, what does that look like? Yeah, I think step one of that process always starts with what is the coping mechanism? What is the habit? What is the addiction? What is the attachment that's sort of ruining our lives or that's leading us in a direction we don't want to go or that we just sense is unhealthy and sitting down and saying, okay, I'm going to take the time to identify what that is and write it down. Just name it, call yeah. it what it is. I'm addicted to Twitter. You know, I'm addicted to alcohol or to pills or whatever the case may be. But then after we do that, what we need to ask ourselves is what is the pain we're trying to sort of soothe with that addiction, with that bad habit? Are we looking for connection? There, there are some, Russell Brand, for instance, who says all addiction is an outworking of trying to find connection. So for him, his underlying pain point is trying to find connection. But for others, it may be something else. It may be you have this pain that there's never enough, that everything in life is scarce. Money is scarce. Faith is scarce. So Maybe you work a little too much, or maybe you buy a little too much just to prove to yourself that there's material there. So I think mm -hmm. first is identifying the addiction. Second is identifying what is the pain that I'm trying to soothe with that addiction. And then third is taking that, that pain point to God and saying, I'm trying to fill and to meet this need, to fill this void, meet this need, to cure this pain with something other than you. And so what I want to do is put you above the addiction. I want to reorder my attachments as some of the great spiritual writers have said. I want to make my first attachment to you and then I want everything that I use to fall under attachment to you. So maybe I don't quit shopping, maybe I don't quit working, maybe I don't quit playing golf, but I ask myself, am I coming to you, God, to have the pain soothed and then am I using these other things only as far as they enhance my attachment to you, as they bring me joy in you, as they help me to love and serve and honor you? And I think that's, a, that's probably a pretty simplified way to say it, but I, I do think that's the process for, for freedom. And as people walk through that, I mean, this is very simple, and it's the perfect message in the new year as everybody's evaluating their year, their goals, who they want to become. I mean... What a great way to do this is to say, hey, let me just be really honest with myself and identify what I'm addicted to. And sometimes you might need to ask a spouse, a close friend, somebody who's watched your life a little bit and go, hey, I, I seem to see you defer to this a lot. You know, when, when you're under stress, this is where I see you go. It could be eating. It could be activity. It could be working out too much. I mean, it could be anything. But sometimes you need somebody outside your, your own world to give you that kind of perspective. And then I love the second question, which is basically, what's the root? You know, what am I trying to cover? Now, that takes some introspection and inviting God into it. But, but when we get to that point, though, practically speak to the person listening to this that says, now, I appreciate the idea of giving this up to God, surrendering it. But what does that look like? A prayer time? Is that a daily thing for like 21 days where 
every day I, I try to emphasize this practice. How, how would you walk almost, I mean, I know you're a spiritual director. I mean, we talked about, you know, you being an attorney, but you're also a spiritual director. Like, you know how to guide people through this process. So, so treat our listeners like, like you're directing them right now. They've discovered their addiction. They've started to get a sense of maybe why this pain exists. What is, what does the next step look like? Yeah, there there can be a couple next steps. I think the first next step, depending on the addiction, you know, is it an addiction that's harmful to the body? Is it an addiction to alcohol? Is it an addiction to drugs, uh, to porn, sometimes even to things like gambling or shopping? Is it something that is um, so addictive that it actually harms you, it harms your family? Um, and there's really no clear way out of it because of uh, maybe the length of time you've been using. In that case, I would say, Man, go to a therapist, onboard a therapist, onboard an AA community, onboard an SA community, get, get a group of people around you that can help you sort of uncover your pain and hold you accountable to a season of, of quitting, of abstaining, of stopping, right? Yeah. So I think part of it is make sure that you have the right people in your corner. And, and that's just a really practical thing, onboard a therapist. But from a spiritual perspective, once you have the right team in place, once you have the right therapy in place or the right 12-step group in place, then it can be as simple as every day. For me, it was every day for 90 days, sitting alone in the quiet, clearing my mind, coming to God and saying, God, I've taken this thing that you created, the process that you created, fermentation, and I've misused it to cure the pain. And I'm not doing that anymore. And by the way, it's anxiety inducing and it hurts. Mm. But I'm taking this pain to you and I'm asking you to meet me in it. Mm -hmm. And then just sit in the silence and listen, pray, mm -hmm. read the scriptures, sing the songs that you know that bring you comfort. And I'll tell you, it, it sounds simple, but I did that for 90 days. And, and in my own life, 90 days later, I did experience the goodness of God in the land of the living as the psalmist writes, right? I, I did see something like breakthrough and something like freedom. Um, I would also tell people, you know, it's always helpful to, to onboard a spiritual director, someone that can help you ask the right questions and help you see God at work in the world around you. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I think those, those practical steps, I think can really help people find, find the freedom they want. Yeah. And what you're saying is, look, not every one of our addictions or ways in which we're covering pain can we just handle on our own and we we probably weren't meant to try to solve these on our own that inviting somebody else into that and sometimes it's a therapist spiritual director a coach it also could be a friend you know maybe it's not somebody with all the tools and skills but it's it's just somebody that you're going to be willing to be vulnerable with and just say hey i need help i need somebody i can talk to about this because when we when we try to take it on our own, I mean, isn't this when we also kind of can get in trouble because we we it all just can kind of cave in, you know, it, the load and the weight can be too much. We, we sometimes feel the shame of it. We sometimes think nobody else is going through this. And, and what is it that happens when we invite somebody else into that pain with us? Yeah, so I'll give you a really good and practical example from my own story. One year into my sobriety journey, I was in Colorado with some friends and I had driven, it was like a 12 hour trip or something. And I had driven because some flights were canceled and a storm was moving in across the front range. It was the day before my one year sobriety anniversary. And I was going to have to drive back. I just had this niggling thought. It just wouldn't let me go. You know, I'm going to have to drive back. I'm going to have to spend the night somewhere in Kansas. 
you know, at the end of this one year journey of sobriety, what other goals do I have to accomplish? Man, I would just like to get a bottle of whiskey and burn it all down and start over. And I was with a group of friends who knew my story and who cared about my story. One was a pastor. His name's Wynn Collier. And I told Wynn, man, I just can't shake this thought. And I think I need just to speak it out loud. And um, he looked at me and he said, you know, the problem is that you put your identity in sobriety. You've placed your identity in alcoholic. You've placed your identity in all these other things. And so all of a sudden, when your identity gets uh, shaken, you don't know what to do other than maybe to return to the bottle. But, but instead of doing that, maybe experience, take the time uh, to drive back in, in the quiet and pray for strength. And when you need me, reach out and call me on your drive back. And I don't even think I had to call him on the drive back, but it was just one of those moments where it was somebody saying, you don't have to do this alone. There's no shame in feeling the desire to drink again. You can uh, call me. I'm in your corner. I support you. And there's just something about that person who's willing to sort of hold your arms up, uh, for lack of a better term, um, that kind of gives you the strength to make it another day. So I do think it's critical uh, that you have community sort of walking with you as you move into your own season of, of sobriety. Yeah, well, this book, the book of waking up, experiencing the divine love that reorders a life is a gift, I think, to anybody listening, because just as you heard Seth walk me through and you through some of the ways we can handle this, this book just lays out short chapters, lots of these processes and even questions to ask ourselves that will just help us reflect uncover and and start to deal with some of the pain that maybe we don't deal with. And that way as leaders, we actually are bringing to the table our our healed self, our whole self. We're we're bringing our best because we've actually been willing to walk through some of those dark nights of the soul in order to recover and and heal some things that are broken that maybe we never would have focused on if we just kept accomplishing things. But how much more God may want to accomplish through each of us if we can be willing to bring all of this to him. So Seth Thank you for your vulnerability, your leadership, your putting all this to words. You're a beautiful writer. I'm so glad this audience is getting to know you better. So thank you for, for all that you've done to help tell this story and be honest about your own struggle. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. And I do hope that, you know, the, the people listening will take this seriously and, and really examine those areas, those sneaky areas of addiction and habits that, that threaten to upend a life and and, and sort of pull you away from the divine love of God. This is Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. And Gabe, that was a great conversation you had with your friend Seth Haynes around his new book, The Book of Waking Up. To the listener right now who just heard your conversation with Seth and is saying, you know, that's me. I'm just numbing myself. Truly, Seth's new book would be a great first step to addressing the issue. Again, you can get his book, The Book of Waking Up. It's an incredible book. His first book, Coming Clean, is amazing. If you've dealt with alcohol addiction or any type of addiction, it's his story. It's his memoir of walking through that. It's beautiful. But I hope these conversations inspire you just as much as the Q Talks that you've become so acquainted with through this podcast. I want to encourage you, invite your friends to continue listening in on this, this new year, but also to make plans to join us in person every year in April we host an event. It's called Q2020 this year. It's based around the year. It's based on what are the conversations and the current topics and issues that we as Christians really need to be aware of, educated on, informed about, know how to engage, and to do so in a faithful way, biblically faithful, 
but also with an ear towards understanding the language of our culture. How are people thinking about these issues and topics today? And how can we come into those conversations and actually bring life-giving truth? And so we're going to be dealing with so many of the difficult conversations. We've kind of become known for doing that because we don't think there's any area of our culture or any issue that the truth shouldn't speak into and that we, we shouldn't shed light on. So that means we talk about some difficult conversations, things like the suicide epidemic that's going throughout our culture. We're talking about gender identity, criminal justice reform, censorship, and what's happening with ideas that, that maybe aren't so aligned with mainstream thinking. Where do those go in the future? Are they they're going to still have a place? Are we going to wipe those out? You know, we're talking about politics, the election taking place in America where there's so much division, and we're going to hear different voices who actually disagree on this, but can, in an agreeable way, talk through how do we get along despite some of these differences. We're going to talk about the next generation, how they're thinking about the church today, how they're approaching the world and these issues. We're going to talk about the epidemic of a problem of raising real men, that so many of our adult males are are growing up but but not really turning into men, kind of extending uh, adolescence. And so we want to deal with What's going on there? How do we start to change that for the next generation? So these are just a few of so many different topics that we know that you as a leader need to be aware of. But more importantly, you need to be around other people who are walking through these same kinds of topics with their organizations, their companies. Maybe they're a professor in an academic environment. Maybe they're a classroom teacher working with high schoolers and teenagers Wherever you've been called, even if it's just being the parent of your kids the way I am and my teenagers, we know that these topics, there's very few places you can engage the conversation well. And at Q, that's what we've tried to create, space to engage these conversations well. So I want you to join us. You can learn more and you can buy tickets at qideas.org slash 2020. And when you do that, you can learn all about the event, the experiences that are happening in the evenings, uh, the breakout Q&A conversations we create, the evening events. There's, there's so much happening around this. It's the kind of a conference for somebody who doesn't really enjoy conferences and gets a little bored and wants to skip out. Q is not that. Q is the place that keeps your attention. The people you'll meet will be probably one of the greatest gifts you'll walk away with is new relationships nationwide and worldwide of people who really care about what does it look like in a post-Christian nation to move forward positively with joy, with hope, with a strategy that has to do with how Jesus comes into these situations and can bring light, can bring truth, and can help us in our journey towards seeing all things made new. So I hope you join us at qideas.org slash 2020 and hope to meet you there. This program is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.